by General Smedley Butler. This is the final chapter, chapter five, to hell with war. So far, we've covered war as a racket, who makes the profits, who pays the bills, and the last chapter, how to smash this racket. It's been quite a story. The good general, the highly decorated Marine from Pennsylvania, exposed that this war is not what you're being led to believe as a taxpayer. In fact, It's really meant just to enrich a very few people. And he gives specific examples in chapter number two. And then in chapter number three, he explains who pays the true cost. In chapter number four, he lays out a simple plan to put a stop to it, how to smash this racket. The best of which I thought would be limiting our military to defensive purposes only. Isn't that simple common sense? Not to everyone. Let's get to chapter five, to hell with war. This is War is a Racket by Major General Smedley Butler, narrated by Christopher Scott Kunkel with commentary by Christopher Scott Kunkel. I'm pleased to bring you this bonus content in the form of this audio book available in the open domain, which allows me to repurpose this content to bring it to you in my voice, hopefully updated a little bit with some modern commentary. I hope you enjoy it all the same. Here we go to hell with war. I'm not a fool as to believe that war is a thing of the past. I know that people do not want war, but there is no use in saying we cannot be pushed into another war. Looking back, Woodrow Wilson was re-elected president in 1916 on a platform that he had kept us out of war, and on the implied promise that he would keep us out of war. Yet five months later, he asked Congress to declare war on Germany. In that five-month interval, the people had not been asked whether they had changed their minds, The four million young men who put on uniforms and marched or sailed away were not asked whether they wanted to go forth to suffer and die. Then what caused our government to change its mind so suddenly? Money. An allied commission, it may be recalled, came over shortly before the war declaration and called on the president. The president summoned a group of advisors. The head of the commission spoke. Stripped of its diplomatic language, this is what he told the president and his group. There is no use kidding ourselves any longer. The cause of the Allies is lost. We now owe you American bankers, American munition makers, American manufacturers, American speculators, and American exporters five or six billion dollars. If we lose, and without the help of the United States, we must lose, we, England, France, and Italy, cannot pay back this money, and Germany won't. So... Had secrecy been been outlawed as far as the war negotiations were concerned, and had the press been invited to be present at that conference, or had radio been available to broadcast the proceedings, America never would have entered the World War. But this conference, like all war discussions, was shrouded in utmost secrecy. When our boys were sent off to war, they were told, It was a war to make the world safe for democracy and a war to end all wars. Well, 18 years later, the world has less democracy than it did then. 
Besides, what business is it of ours whether Russia or Germany or England, France or Italy or Austria live under democracies or monarchies, whether they are fascist or communist? Our problem is to preserve our own democracy. And very little, if anything, has been accomplished to assure us that the World War was really the war to end all wars. Yes, we had, have had the disarmament conferences and limitations of arms conferences. They don't mean a thing. When one has just failed, the results of another have been nullified. We send our professional soldiers and sailors and our politicians and our diplomats to these conferences, and what happens? The professional soldiers and sailors don't want to disarm. No admiral wants to be without a ship. No general wants to be without a command. Both mean men without jobs. They are not for disarmament. They cannot be for limitations of arms. And all these conferences lurking in the background, but all powerful just the same, are the sinister agents of those who profit by war. They see to it that these conferences do not disarm or seriously limit armaments. The chief aim of any power at any of these conferences has not been to achieve disarmament, to prevent war, but rather to get more armament for itself and less for any potential foe. There is only one way to disarm with any assemblance of practicability. That is for all nations to get together and scrap every ship, every gun, every rifle, every tank, every warplane. Even this, if it were possible, would not be enough. The next war, according to experts, will be fought not with battleships, not by artillery, not with rifles, and not with machine guns. It will be fought with deadly chemicals and gases. Secretly, each nation is studying and perfecting newer and ghastlier means of annihilating its foes wholesale. Yes, ships will be continue to be built, for the shipbuilders must make their profits and guns still will be manufactured, and powder and rifles will be made, for the munition makers much must make their huge profits. And the soldiers, of course, must wear uniforms, for the manufacturer must make their profits too. But victory or defeat will be determined by the skill and ingenuity of our scientists. If we put them to work, making poison gas and more and more fiendish mechanical and explosive instruments of destruction, they will have no time for the constructive job of building greater prosperity for all peoples. By putting them to this useful job, we can all make more money out of peace than we can out of war, even the munitions makers. So I say, to hell with war. Fascinating read, don't you think? Welcome to Project Chaos, a radio show and podcast like no other. How can I make that claim? This journey began way back in 1990 when the Iraqi army attacked the city of Kafji. A lot happened on that night, and it's all detailed in my book, Victory Over Chaos. But here's how it relates to the radio show. The Iraqis attacked a multinational sector with only a few U.S. Marines. When the Iraqis attacked, every single one of those other nations' fighters turned and ran. They ran and deserted us and two teams of our brothers who were trapped in the city. And as a result, two U.S. Army trucks and their drivers were also trapped in the city. When everyone else turned and ran, we moved up closer to the city. When everyone else turned and ran, they needed volunteers to extract the personnel who were trapped. When the commanding officer asked for volunteers to enter the city, every single one volunteered. An absolute striking difference. Well, every one of the other fighters ran, every single one of ours did the opposite. We ran toward the fight. 
Here's my point. It's not that we were special because we weren't. This isn't a story about special forces or special operations. It's about a special commitment that we shared. That commitment was that we would never give up, not on ourselves and not on each other, and we would never turn our backs on our country. It's an oath that we all share, every one of us, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. It's the identical bond that we all share. We all took the same oath of enlistment, and it does not expire. We are in a difficult time right now. We have a moral and leadership crisis on every level. It's chaos every day, a new crisis. But I have good news for you. It's always been like that. This country was born out of conflict, and I want to share something very important about that. The first book I wrote six years ago, Common Sense by Thomas Paine, I translated it from Old English to Modern English. And in the process, I learned a lot about the Revolutionary War and human nature. That book is very much a story in itself. But here's the point. When given the option of freedom or security, most people will choose security. Most people will play it safe, not do what's right. Most people in the face of conflict will turn and run. Well, we don't have that problem. For 250 years now, America's fighting men and women have led this country through its greatest struggles. Project Chaos is here to bring you the voice of our nation's warriors. It's not about stories. It's about sacrifice. It's not about history. It's about preserving our legacy. And I get it. There's a lot of people today who don't know our history and don't understand why this legacy is so important. And we can help with that, too. This is Project Chaos, a radio show and podcast like no other. It's been a real journey getting to this point. Listening to talk radio, the same station when I was just 10 years old. It's been a lifelong dream to be behind this microphone. The past six years, I've produced over 1,600 podcasts and counting. I've published three books with my newest book being number four. I say all this to tell you this. My goal is I'm honored to speak about the Marine Corps, our military, our country, and to do it from the studios of WWDB. My goal is simply to provide the best possible radio show and podcast with the highest integrity. I don't care about being the biggest or highest paid. Since I was 17 years old and I took my oath to enlist, I only ever strive to be the best I can. Welcome to Project Chaos, the radio show and podcast that brings you the mindset and perspective of our nation's warriors. I'm your host, Chris Kunkel, United States veteran and author of my newest book, Victory Over Chaos, which tells the true story behind the United States Marines' battle for Kafji. If you like what you hear, please be sure to visit projectchaos.org. I appreciate your support. If you'd like to sponsor the show, take a one-time sponsorship. Monthly sponsorships are always welcome. And you can also support the show by purchasing any of my books available on the website. Hope to see you back for the Monday radio show live from Philadelphia. Make it a great day.